0: Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke, and I've got a couple of things I want to put on your radar before we get started this week. Next next week is the Uncharted Veterinary Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. It's the premier marketing and strategy conference for veterinary medicine, and it is unfortunately sold out but you can totally see it if you want to be a part of it you can be just join the uncharted online community uh get an uncharted membership and you can watch the live stream of the main stage you'll be seeing the workshops as soon as they drop there'll be a ton of online chatter and other people will be watching with you it is really is a wonderful supportive positive community it's vibrant and active and maybe you should be a part of it so um uncharted conference next week and that will be live streamed at least in part into the community and then the workshops will be dropped in on top of it also may 14th for uncharted members we have a master class that's starting up it's called staff development what to do with your people. It is a month-long course. There's uh, has lectures one day a week and then workshop groups on the weekends. Those are small groups to work through the material. This is gonna be about making a plan for your employees, how to develop them, how to train them, what an advancement program looks like, what a career evolution plan looks like. How do you grow your people and keep them engaged? So that is staff development, What to do with your people And again it starts on May the 14th And it's open to Uncharted members If you're like oh my god I need to be a part of this We got your back Head over to unchartedvet.com And check out what it means to be a member We would love to have you in the tribe With all that said Let's get into this episode We're talking about favoritism In the practice
1: And now
0: the Uncharted Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's me and my colleague, my cohort, my wingman, Stephanie. You're my favorite mistake, Goss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm your favorite mistake. Wow. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> i <That's> my
0: favorite <laughs> mistake.
1: Hearts. Hearts for you right now. That that makes me. That makes you feel really good right now.
0: <laughs> we're talking uh, about. We're talking about favoritism today. That's what it is. We're talking about favoritism. I'm talking about the. Um, talking about the doctor who has a favorite technician. I'm talking about the front desk person who's good buddies with the practice manager. I'm talking about the tech who is. The practice owner's neighbor and friend.
1: Yes, yes. I. This is such a. This is such a good one because when we first started talking about this, and we were we were thinking, have have we seen this? And the resounding answer for both of us, I think, was yes. And and I don't know about you, but even without having um, a story to share or an example to talk about, I immediately had a picture in my head. Of, of people that I have worked with in the past or um, stories that friends have shared about these kind of situations. And I think that that's one of the things that is so good and so bad about this topic is that I think it resonates with all
0: of us. I've, I've seen it again and again in practices where I work to different degrees and it looks a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that kind of bugs me about it a little bit is a lot of people see it as a virtue and so they're like, "Oh yeah, well we've got our, our doctors and techs have wonderful relationships." Right. And I go, ah, "Maybe they do, maybe they don't." It's kind of one of those, one of those weird things where this could really it can really cause a lot of problems that people don't see where they don't understand why they're having all these problems around that issue. Um, and it, you know, when I, we talked before about some problems are not really problems; they're symptoms and there's a deeper problem. I've seen this be the deeper problem and people just can't see it as a problem and they can't figure out that these other issues are resonating or really sort of reverberating out of it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, what, what put it in my mind was I had somebody I was talking with a while back and they said they were complaining about someone in their practice. Um, and, and the behaviors this person had, and they said, my issue is with this person who's, um, in our practice and they're really close friends with the medical director. And as a result, it's difficult to get anywhere with resolving mm-hmm. into the issues or to get this person to change their behavior. All they're protected. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have, I have seen that so many times in so many different ways. And so this is somebody who's good friends with the medical director. I see it a lot in doctors and technicians and the doctor will have a favorite technician and sometimes that's just stated out in the open mm-hmm. oh elaine is doctor smith's favorite technician mm-hmm. and everybody knows that and like mm-hmm. that just blows my mind that would be like going into a family and the kids being like, oh, Jimmy is mom's favorite child. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and you're like, this is not healthy. This is not good. But but they'll just say it. Other ways, it's not clearly stated. But everybody knows. I mean, it is reinforced through actions on a daily basis that Elaine is Dr. Smith's favorite technician.
1: So I think the question that first springs to my mind is that When you when you talked about both of those situations, I immediately could see um, the picture in my head of what that looks like in the clinic. Do you but for those people that are involved, sometimes the one who is playing favorites and sometimes the favorite, sometimes both of them are completely clueless. That everybody else can see this in black and white. Do you do you just think that that's a lack of of self awareness, or do you think it's just the the friendship factor where the the people involved just see it as as a friendship, and so they don't see anything wrong with it? I mean, why why do you think that it can be so black and white um, to everybody but the people involved?
0: I I think it's exactly a a lack of self-awareness. And and let me be clear here too. Um, I don't think the people participating in this behavior generally are bad people or manipulative people or anything like that. I think this is honestly something that they probably think is a great thing, a good thing, a wholesome thing, and they don't see anything wrong with it. There's a couple of different types of favoritism that we see in practices. Okay. So let's, let's put it out because we're making some blanket statements. I want to be able to split this apart a little bit when I okay. say favoritism. Okay. So there's what's called the the sunk cost favoritism or the seniority favoritism. That is when you've got somebody who has worked with you forever okay. and you have spent so much time training them and working with them and they know you and they know the way that that you like things done, that it's just easier to work with them.
1: Mm, okay. okay?
0: And so then that person ends up getting the call. They get opportunities. They get to give the doctor feedback. They get, you know, to to bend your ear when they want to, when they want to be heard. And mm-hmm. so sunk cost favoritism is sunk cost because you have put a lot of time into this person. And so what yeah. I hear, what I hear doctors in text talk about this is the doctor will say, she knows how I like these things done. Mm-hmm. And so it's just faster for me to work with her. And well, the obvious caveat to that is, now the other techs are not getting to work with you, which means they will never know how you like things to be done, which right. means they will never get the opportunity to advance, to do new things, to move up. Right. And so, again, trust me, man, I I know what it's like to work with a tech that knows where your head's at and just can read your mind. Like, I love those techs. God, right. I love them. <laughs> and I know what it's like to work with the new Trek tech that you have to train and i love to train people i love to teach as you can tell i right. like to talk. <laughs> I, I, I love it but I you? Down sometimes sometimes i don't want to train somebody i just want them to read my mind and let's get done right. so that i can have a granola bar right
1: right you know well, so fair enough right like there i think we all want balance to a degree I mean, nobody wants to be, I I don't think anybody intentionally chooses to always be at one end of that spectrum or the other.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. So that, that's seniority. Um, there's sexual favoritism, which is, um, this'll get you sued. This is, this is, (laughs) Hey, I want to sleep with you. So I'm going to take care of you at work. This is not okay. This is not good stuff. Uh, but we, we've all seen it out in the world where, Mm. you know, you go, Ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't look right. Um I'm not convinced that person's getting opportunities because of their, you know, their skills. There's well, cron- and, Sorry, got. And
1: let's and let's be real. I mean that 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 from a from a manager perspective, from an HR perspective, like when you when you said it, you know, the the idea of sexual favoritism in in veterinary medicine, it makes me cringe, but the reality is is that it's out there. It's in a lot of places. It's pretty blatant and um you know most frequently i think about it in the form of like doctors and technicians um but it it's it's out there and if you as a as a manager or as a practice owner if you haven't had to deal with it yet i mean count count yourself lucky but that is that is a real and hard thing and and you know you you jokingly say okay that 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 could that could get you sued or that could get you fired but the reality is is that so many people don't they don't think about it as something to be worried about because they're thinking about it on the level that you were talking about when you were talking about the seniority or the sunk cost. It's like we have a personal relationship, right? It's it's natural to have different types of relationships with the different people we work with. And so it's like I have a personal connection with this person, so there's nothing wrong with that. But You have to consider how it's being viewed outside of your little outside of your little bubble
0: that that's exactly it it's you know i like to flirt with this person or even hey we're starting to date right. and we're consenting adults and you know and and that's it right if other people are getting shut out of opportunities because you're dating a technician and you're right. a doctor you're in a bad spot and, right. and again i don't think you're a monster i i and imagine these things happen i choose to believe that people are good and generally have good intentions you're I in a bad place
1: Absolutely, and then that, then that's exactly what I mean when I when I say it. We all look at it, and and we all think we have different relationships. And so, just like you said, every situation that I've come across has been a situation where it's been two consenting adults, and they are just people who have a connection, and they're like, okay, there's nothing wrong with this. And at the same time, you have to look at it through the filter of. How is this affecting everybody Everybody else on the team? It's it's naive to think that you don't have to look at that perspective.
0: You've got cronyism, which is I'm going to favor people who do what I say. You know, mm-hmm. the people who um, kind of worship me or hold me up. Yep. Those mm-hmm. people are going to get, they're going to get kickbacks for what they do for me. Mm-hmm. There's nepotism, which is um, family stuff. Uh, it's It's also mm-hmm. friends. So, mm-hmm. hey, you're my buddy. We went to school together. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to bring you up. And again, oftentimes it's not, it's not pre-planned. It's just kind of how, you know, it's a bias that we fall into. There's a similarity um, favoritism. And that's just our natural deep bias to favor people who are like us. Got you know, it. Look like us. They've had similar experiences to us. We, you know, we feel comfortable with people who we think are like us. And that's not hard to see how that ends up depriving other people of opportunities. And the last thing is attractiveness. And there is, yes, there is 100% an attractiveness bias. We are more likely to do things for and make concessions for people who we think are attractive, even if it's not a sexual thing, just the the, the pretty, handsome, tall people they tend to get more attention and it's just something for us to be aware of when we start thinking about are we being fair across the board or are we um are we loading the deck for an individual
1: do you do you think that so so you laid out six different types of favoritism for us do you think that they all have different ways that you have to Go about examining them, or can you can you look at all of them through kind of the same filter in terms of how it can be damaging to
0: a team to play favorites? I I don't think you need to separate them, and I and I I don't want us to spend our time on the podcast really splicing any deeper into it about this one versus that <laughs> one, and and I, and I don't want to get into talks on a theoretical level. I'm not trying to, to get into talk. To talks about equality and stuff like that, and that stuff is really, really important. Don't get me wrong, but for me, the simplest way to look at this is purely from a pragmatic level in the practice, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, and again, there's different eth- ethical levels, of course. You know, the the seniority is different than sexual favoritism, like mm-hmm. yeah, but, absolutely. But the way that we, the way they affect the practice, and the way that we deal with them, should be probably the same, right? Like, what happens is, so so why is this an issue? Why are we talking about it? The truth is, um the uh, the other employees, they resent the person who's getting favored. Mm-hmm. They do not like Elaine, who is Dr. Smith's favorite tech. And when Elaine gets to go into surgery every time, when Mm -hmm. Elaine gets to learn the new skill that she's excited about, especially when Elaine gets to go to CE because the doctor is going to CE and the doctor wants her to come, you better believe that you are sowing discord in your practice. You are damaging the culture. You are starting to build resentment. And so they are going to be unkind to Elaine. Like they are going to start to show that resentment, which is understandable. Like we all should be bigger people, but we do get frustrated. And so they are going to resent her and and you're going to start seeing things uh, like gossiping. You know, they are going to do things to try to take her down a peg. And so those are passive aggression, you know, all that sort of stuff. You start to see those acting out things because of this favoritism problem. And that's what I meant when I said before is like sometimes we see problems that are not really problems, they're symptoms. And so I'll get the call or people will talk to me about the gossip problem that they have. Or Wait. the fact that and then they'll say, oh, my tech Elaine is fantastic. She's being bullied. Again, I, I'm not villainizing the people who are, you know, doing this or the favorite technician. It, oftentimes, oftentimes Elaine is as trapped as anybody. She's like, I right. know. I keep getting right. pulled into these things, and everyone's mad at me, and I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I and I and I think that that I think that that is super super common. And what I was gonna say was, even if you have a really like a, as a a tech to tech, it, even if I really like Elaine and we have a good relationship, at some point, even the. Best, uh the best-natured, the most level-headed person has to look at it and say, I really like you. And at the same time, this is a really crappy situation because what about the opportunities for me? When am I going to get to learn? When am I going to get to step in? When am I going to get to show that I can be a leader too? It has nothing to do with not liking you because you're in that position. You can have a great relationship with that person and you still at the end of the day feel really crappy about the situation.
0: That that's exactly it. Is even if they love Elaine, they still get resentful of 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 the boss, of the doctor, right. of the practice because right. they're they're getting passed over for opportunities. They're not getting to learn things. Their motivation gets gets beaten down. And you know, they start to they start to feel like they feel like nothing that they do really matters. It doesn't matter how good I am. I'm not going to get the shot. It doesn't matter how hard I work, no matter how much I do, Elaine's getting the opportunities and I'm not. And that just demotivates and demoralizes them in a big way. And if you're out of practice and you're a doctor, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if you're out of practice and you feel like you've got one stellar technician And a bunch of mediocre technicians. I want you to think about this. And I'm not saying that you made it that way. But I have seen. I have seen people. Who go to practice every day. And go god if if I just had all. If my texts were just more like Elaine. Right. It was like. They're not going to be like Elaine. Because you've anointed Elaine. And she's getting all the opportunities. And the others are not. That said. (laughs) And I think this is an important caveat to make. We, we do, let's be honest and, and realistic. Our techs, our support staff, they are at different levels in their knowledge and their skills and their training right. and their experience. Right. So I'm not saying like, oh, just grab, grab the person who's been there for a week and have them start, you know, play, placing Venus, you know, like arterial <laughs> right. catheters. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not saying that we, you know, we obviously have, obviously people are in different places. Right but just be cognizant of is one person getting all the opportunity or, and the other thing I, I had to learn this over time too, of what truly is an opportunity. I never thought that spending time with me was an opportunity. I never thought that that was a job, like a job person. I've kind of felt the opposite. Like, Oh, you got to hang out with me for the day. Right. Right. Uh, eh, but, but as you go along, what you realize is, Hey, it is a, it is a job perk. If you're the decision maker, if you're the doctor, if especially if you're teaching and training, it's a massive job perk and it, it's, you know, sometimes you don't feel that way. I never felt that way of like, right? wait, you mean that the technician spending time with me has an advantage over the other technicians? I just, I never thought that, but yeah. if you stop for a minute, it, it is true. And sometimes you feel like you're working with people and they don't appreciate you investing into them. And that's probably true too, but it doesn't invalidate the fact that other people would love that opportunity. And that is a perk, whether we mean for it to be or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, when when we talk about um, kind of playing the favorites, there's three things that really come to mind in terms of why it's why it's detrimental to kind of look at it from that perspective. for For me as a manager, number one is, If you are focused on your, um, the anointed one, or you're focused even on a small handful of people, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. And the reality is, as a manager, I've seen this time and time again, is that um, people don't stay in one place forever. And so if if I expound all of this time and energy into making one or two or even three people the, the, the most amazing, and I don't consider the others, what happens when that person, um, you know, uh their their spouse gets a job across the country and they leave or they decide to be a stay at home mom and leave the practice or um you know they have the opportunity to go back to school and get boarded and all of a sudden they're off to the specialty practice like if you put all of your eggs in one basket you're setting yourself up for failure in terms of them staying you're also not giving others on the team the opportunity to to grow and to develop their own strengths um and and breadth within, within the the team. So that's going to limit what your team is able to accomplish as well as limiting the individuals in terms of their, their growth um, path. And then I think the third thing that we do that is, that is really negative in this, in this mind frame is we look at it in terms of uh, wanting to surround yourself by people who, who think and do things the way we do. And this is, this is most commonly where I see it with the doctors and technicians is like, I want to work with that person because they, they do things the way that I would do the things. And that's why I want them to be in this situation. But the reality is, is that working with people who are different than you, people who have different strengths and different challenges, not only does it challenge you um, to grow and learn how to adapt, but it also gives you the opportunity to be creative and learn how to be more flexible as a team because if you just work with people who always think like you, at the end of the day, all you're going to get is a very one-sided
0: view. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all that. That 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 makes a ton of sense. So how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the question other people have. Like, well, you know, I've got... I've got this system that works, or I've got this. I've got this great technician, or this is the way that we've always done it. I don't. E- I don't even know what that looks like. A lot of people. A lot of it comes from growth. What happens is, you know, you start out and you are a small vet clinic, and you go one tech per doctor, which is not bad. Okay, and I, I think that a lot of people mishear what I'm saying and go, "You mean I can't have te- a single technician assigned to a doctor?" Right. That's not what. I- not what i'm saying and we can unpack that in a second but um a lot of people start out with one tech per doctor and then as the practice grows they add more support staff but they don't get away from that one tech per doctor one tech per doctor and a specific tech per specific right. doctor and so right. then you end up having um you know techs that are treatment room techs and it's not bad to have exam room techs and treatment room techs. And there's a million different systems that, that can work depending on your practice and your clientele and your medical style and all those things. Mm-hmm. When it becomes a problem is when one of the techs or some of the techs have champions looking out for them and other techs don't. Right. That's the trigger for bad. Yeah.
1: Stuff. Yeah. I, I, Agree with that a hundred percent, and I and I think that that's one of the most valuable tools that as managers and as overseers of people, whether you're an associate doctor and you're helping oversee the the training of the team, or you're a practice owner and you're you're looking at your team as a whole, or you're a manager, one of the things that you can do really easily is is come up with a system for yourself to kind of keep track of what you're doing and who who you're who you're um, having work on things so that when you have um, an opportunity come up, whether it's to take somebody to a CE meeting or um, have somebody help you lead a um, a staff meeting at the practice or training, I mean, they can be super simple, simple things, but if you kind of know, okay, well, Hey, last time, you know, I brought Jill with me to the CE. So maybe it's time I give somebody else an opportunity it becomes easier to look at rotating through. Even in the system like you talked about where you have one tech per doctor, if you look at, okay, maybe, you know, on the critical days where skills really matter, maybe you do need to say, I need this person with this doctor because the skills are important. But there are probably some days or some times of day or some other way that you can, Give up that and allow some sort of rotation system to exist within your team and, and within your people to let everybody have um, kind of
0: the opportunities as you go. I, I agree with that. So you can definitely rotate. Let's say for a minute, let's let's play with a specific example because I want to make this clear. Um, let's say that you're a doctor and I'm a doctor. Okay. And so it's two vet practice. And we have three technicians. We have Michael and he is your tech. Like you Love working with Michael. He loves working with you. You guys just read each other's thoughts, and then I have Michelle, and she's fantastic, and she reads my mind, and I read her mind, and then we have Jessica, and Jessica is our treatment room tech. Okay. Okay. Um, are we set up for failure because you work every day with Michael, and I work every day with Michelle, and Jessica works in the treatment room? The answer yes. from you think so? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you want to know why? I think yeah, yeah. So? Tell me why. Tell me why. What happens? What happens when Michael gets the flu and is out for two weeks? Oh,
0: so good. Yeah. Like
1: seriously, like right, right. And and because that, I mean, life, life happens. What happens when that person? falls on the roller skating rink and uh <laughs> <has raised> their <laughs> ankle and is and on is on crutches for two weeks and can't you know be in be sterile in surgery helping with or ordo- helping me with or- orthopedics like what what happened though like we have to think about the inevitable because the fact is we are people living life and we do not exist in a bubble and eventually something's gonna happen and then then what happens can can Jessica? Can Jessica are we setting up Jessica for failure by having Michael be my technician and Michelle be your technician are we are we setting all three of them up for failure when the inevitable happens
0: Well a couple of things number 1 only true champions are felled by roller skates and I would just like to make sure everyone knows that <laughs> that only happens to the best of us I think <laughs> Right.
1: Uh, hashtag #Truth uh,
0: hashtag #Truth <laughs> Hashtag #I'm recovering nicely. Uh, uh, number, number two, you're, you're exactly no, you're exactly right. What happens when Michelle's husband or wife gets another job and moves away? You know, and and she's and she's gone. And she's like, I love working with you guys. Uh, but I got to go. Or when the specialty hospital comes and recruits her and I just can't pay what they can pay, something like that. And she says, love you guys, got to do what's right for my family. Like I can't knock her. Mm -hmm. And so so she's going to go, you're right. All of a sudden we're in crisis and we don't have someone else who's trained and we don't have much of a stop gap. And so cross training, you can see right here why it makes so much sense because I believe in what you said before is the healthiest way to run the practice is believing that everyone is going to leave at some point. I don't want them to all leave at the same time. <laughs> right, right. <But laughs> then they've done that. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, yeah. But people are, they're going to leave. Right. And it's not a criticism of how we run teams. Uh, I think high turnover is a problem and that may be a criticism of how we run teams. But for the most part, people are going to leave and they're not bad, It's just the way of the world. And so I love the cross-training idea. The biggest thing for me is not necessarily, it's definitely not that Everyone gets equal time with everyone. You know, I don't think that I need to work with Michael and you need to work with Michelle to be fair. I think what really is important is that all the techs feel treated fairly and they and they all get heard. Yes. Right. So what that means is, let's say that I'm the practice owner, and you're the associate that if my tech is getting breaks and perks that your tech is not getting, that's a problem. Yes. If my tech has influence over the practice because we're in surgery together and she can bend my ear the whole time, um, and Michael is not getting those perks, that's a problem. Or if Jessica who's in the treatment room never feels like she's getting heard, or she's not getting trained, or she's not getting developed, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I'm not saying so much. Every tech needs to spend equal time with every doctor. I don't think that that's required or necessary. I think we need to look at the ultimate outcome and say, are my texts being treated fairly? Are they being heard? Um, are they having an equal chance to influence where we go as a team?
1: Yes. And I, and I think that that is something that we can all take control of. Even, even if you don't uh recognize that there might be a problem with favoritism with yourself or within your practice and I and I want to come back to how do we recognize that that's happening how do we how do we turn on that light bulb but even if you don't know that it's happening I think we as as leaders and I'm not talking about um being a leader from a position of power like I'm a practice owner or I'm a practice manager so So I have the responsibility, but as, as a team and as leaders from every seat on the team, I think we have to all work at creating bonds with the others on the team, whether or not they are our favorites. And, and in fact, I would argue that the people that you are challenged most by, you, you will often have the greatest rewards by putting in the work to create that bond, because there's a reason why they're different from you. And there's a reason um, why you have to figure out what that reason is. And so, you know, maybe Jessica as the treatment room tech is in that role by default. But if I spend time and energy um, building a bond with her, maybe I figure out that she is, um, you know, totally a whiz with um, you know, anesthetic calculations, or she is the master, um, you know, with uh, the, the pets that are scared and afraid, and, you know, she gets them calm in an instant, I might not have the, I might really miss an opportunity to learn those things if I don't put the time and energy into figuring out what is it that these people are good at, and or what is it that I have in common with with these people.
0: I completely agree. And this this is, you know, think about it like this, okay? Say that um say that you have a technician who is super positive, very happy, hates conflict, and is just going to tell you what you want to hear, right? Super complimentary, always going to fluff your pillows. Mm-hmm. And then you've got another tech who is um much more willing to point out problems mm-hmm. and to disagree with you. If you just go by what's comfortable, you're going to end up spending your time with the happy technician that's going to agree, the yes man, the person who's going to agree with everything that you say. Right. Any anyone who stops and thinks about this for a second goes, well, the other person's more valuable. And and they are the one who's willing to point out problems, the willing who's the one who's willing to disagree with you, they're going to make you better and they're going to make your practice better. That's not a green light for them just to be awful to deal with and obstructionist, but I think the natural tendency is to go with what's easy. And I would say that you're robbing yourself of opportunities if you do. that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. So let's fix this thing. Okay. The big thing for me is, um, is work on your culture, right? So this is a culture of trust. I want to build a culture where people are comfortable saying to me, giving me feedback, saying, I don't think this is fair or where people are willing to come and give me feedback and talk to me and, and, and to be heard. And so, just a general open, positive culture, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. I think part of having a positive culture, I think it's probably a requirement for a really good culture, especially as you grow, is you have got to have clear policies that are cl- consistently enforced mm-hmm. about how you're going to delegate tasks, how you're going to manage projects you know, um, how you're going to, uh, reward performance. I think we start to get into some, into some pay scale type stuff about how mm-hmm. people are going to get paid. You know, yeah. I, I think that those things need to be, they need to be laid out. They need to be organized and, and just generally made clear. So it's not about the favorite person getting raises, right. you know, like right. that's bad stuff. If right. you if it's a willy nilly, like, I could just, I just like Stephanie a lot. Let's give her a raise that's our biases playing into uh, into our reward structure. And so I think we need to be transparent about what it means to move up at our practice, what is expected to advance, how people are going to be rewarded. And I think that that helps knock down this favoritism by, le- by showing everyone what the playing field is. But then you've also got to enforce it. You've got to actually walk the walk. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and... And one of the things for me as a manager that's super important to point out is that when, when you were talking about the, the pay scales, it really resonated because I think one of the things that I've come across time and time again is that you have a practice where you have one one person and they got to where they are in the pay scale um, by a majority because they were, they were um, a rock star. And so just we said, hey, you're doing a great job, so I'm going to give you more money. Or they've been here for 20 years, so they just kept getting raise after raise. And there was no, it was very, whatever the reasoning was behind it, it was totally arbitrary. And so you have one person who is tipping the scale um comparative to everybody else on the team. And one of the things that I want to point out to managers and owners is when you when you look at this, we are not saying that you have to, in order to balance the scales, that you have to take away from that one person or the or that group of people, what you do have to do is take a very clear look at in the future, how can I make this more transparent? And how can I say this is how we're going to create a set of rules? And moving forward, we are going to apply these rules to everybody the exact same way, so that eventually we narrow the gap between one side of the scale and the other, because people shouldn't have to guess why they might or might not get a raise. They should very clearly know what it is that they have to achieve and how they have to succeed for that to happen.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, that that's exactly it. You know, open door policies, let people um, make sure that people have access to you and they're not being excluded um, you know, I like the idea of like anonymous suggestion boxes or, or yep. web-based submission stuff so that people can give feedback Sure, in, in a way that they're not going to be penalized. But all of this is about communication and, and getting heard. Yes. The big thing is, as the doctor, as the boss, spend time among all your employees, you know, like yes. they should all feel important. They should all feel they have access to you. And let me clarify one thing here too. I am, when I say, you know, make sure that people that one person doesn't have more influence over the practice and where it goes than another. I'm not saying that your uh, kennel assistant who's been there for one week has as much influence on the practice direction and, and culture as your head technician who's been there for 15 years. Right. But I'm saying that Kennel Tech A does not have significantly more sway than Kennel Tech B because her kid is on your kid's softball team.
1: Right, right. right? Yeah, so. ab- absolutely. And sometimes I think um, one of the things that can be hard is the the clouding of when when you're when you're in it and you have the personal relationships with the people on your teams, it gets cloudy, it gets murky, and sometimes it's hard to see. Um, it's hard to have any perspective. I, I have been there. I have I have been in that seat where, as a manager, I had a I had a favorite on the team. And I didn't recognize that I was doing it because there was a personal relationship and it was, it was someone that I cared about. And it was just easy. Like it was like reading my mind. It was easy to pass things along to this person because I knew how you would deal with it. And that she knew what I wanted to do. So it was easy. It wasn't until I was in a situation where I had some outside perspective and um, it actually came from, someone who was working with our, with our practice, who, who, who called it out. Um, she was in and visiting and was like, Hey, you know, I noticed that this happened at your team. She was at a team meeting with the whole team. And she's like, have you ever noticed that this is something that happened? And, and it was like that light bulb moment for me where I was like, I know, no, I never saw it that way. I just saw it as, you know, it's super easy for me. We have a great relationship. It's super easy for me to pass things off. I never saw it as potentially being viewed by anybody else as as favoritism, but when I had that outside perspective, it was easier to see, holy cow, holy cow, maybe that is what I was doing, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make this person my favorite, and I'm going to reward them. That was, was not at all what was happening, but I think creating opportunities for yourself, whether it's having some outside perspective, um, asking you know if you're a practice owner or or a doctor asking your manager hey how do you know do you do you think that there's ever any instances where we do play favorites on the team it could be somebody inside your team it could be somebody outside your team or like you said creating the opportunities to get anonymous feedback, whether you're doing a a 360, um, you know, review on just the kind of the culture and the perspective of the practice, whether you're doing an engagement survey to just kind of figure out where your team's heads are at. I think that you do, we do our teams a disservice to not create opportunities to look at it from a little bit of that 60,000 foot view um, and kind of see things above being in them where the, where the water sometimes can get pretty murky.
0: Totally. I, I, I know, you nailed it. Here's the takeaway from the whole thing from me. It is okay to have favorite staff members and you will, you just will have people that are your favorite people to work with. Yes. You can't show it. Yes, that's not okay. So th- that's it. You can have favorites. You will have favorites. You cannot show it. Yes. And so that—that's really the takeaway. The system has got to be fair. Um, you know, nobody gets nobody gets special treatment. And that's that's just for long term culture and fit. I I think that that's just the way it's got to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I think you know you can't ignore the dangers of, of playing favorites, you, you have to keep them in mind. And if you do, it'll, it'll help you stay honest because that's, I mean, we're humans, right? We, I I think it's natural to find people that we connect with and whatever that connection is, there's strength there. And it's natural to want to rely on that. And I think the takeaway for me is that you have to do things actively as a leader Um, to get perspective for yourself and make a conscious effort to engage with everybody on your, on your team, whether it's coming up with a system to keep track of who's, who's um, getting, you know, choice assignments or opportunities to do things, whether it's Um, You know, really making intentional time to get to know your team one-on-one and, um, and particularly those ones that you, you struggle with, whether it's, you know, a personality struggle or a style struggle or um, a skills struggle. Like you, you you have to make a conscious effort to take the time with those people and then getting the perspective and thinking through the feedback that they're giving you in terms of how you're, how you're making them feel as a leader
0: cool no i i no, i think you're right on all right well that's it from me have you got any final words oh
1: i think that was that was uh that was a good one i think that's fun
0: all right yeah. cool all right take care i'll see you next week all right sounds great and that is our show if you're getting the podcast on iTunes, please leave us an honest review. Uh, we love to hear from you, and it helps other people find the podcast. If you have ideas for things that we should talk about, or if you have a headache that you think Stephanie and I might be able to help you with, shoot us an email. Send us an email. We have an email address. It's podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com just let us know what's going on and if it's right then we'll make it into an episode or maybe we can do a sort of a mailbag episode in the coming weeks or months that's what I'm hoping for but it does require you sending us some stuff and so I hope you'll consider that. Guys have a wonderful wonderful weekend keep doing the good that you do in the world and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.